0: This episode is brought to you by Revolver Studios, Portland's own homegrown recording studio and music production house. Run by musicians for musicians, revolverstudios.org. One quick note before we begin, some of the language used may not be suitable for young listeners. This is the Portland Film Podcast, and I'm your host, Molly Silverstein. At her debaucherous 40th birthday party, serial relationship killer Jackie meets handsome and charming 30-something River. Their ensuing adventures in self-medication, late blooming, and questionable judgment lead them to discover a raucous new kind of significant otherness in the critically acclaimed series The Benefits of Gusbandry. Creator, writer, and director Alicia J. Rose joins us in studio today. Welcome, Alicia. Hi, Molly. So take me back to the inception of Guzmendry. You were attending the Rebel Heart Workshop.
1: So yeah, I went to this uh, amazing two-day workshop called the Rebel Heart Filmmaking Workshop with an incredible female director named Diane Bell. And um, I think I was looking for something that would sort of rattle my tree and give me some insight into what story I wanted to tell. Because after making a couple dozen music videos and transitioning from a career in the music business into a career in filmmaking, in order to be taken more seriously as a filmmaker, in order to advance my own career, I had to dive in a narrative. And I also had to figure out what in the hell kind of story I was going to tell. So I enlisted through unfortunate Facebook marketing, I or actually it became fortunate Facebook marketing for once. It's usually the worst, right? We all hate it. But at the same time, once in a while it works out. And so I'd gotten targeted for this Rebel Heart filmmaking workshop and I signed up and it was really inspirational. Kind of just breaking down, look, you don't have to do something in the Hollywood system. You can do something wherever you are. Don't move. Don't change. Don't think you have to be anything anybody else wants you to be. It's about you. And, you know, Look inside, be vulnerable, reveal whatever you can reveal in order to get to the core of what story is worth telling and one that you want to tell and then spend potentially, you know, the next six months to two years, however long of your life, working on this project. So, how did the idea come to you? I think once I kind of got out of that workshop and realized I could do something more episodic, that sort of came to me. I was like, oh, I want to do episodic. This is my, I mean, really my favorite thing. I mean, I love movies, of course, but I love episodic. I mean, that's what I spend probably so much more time watching than films. And so as a filmmaker, I always felt really connected to that format. This was 2015 when I took this workshop. Now two full years, truly, like it was about this time two years ago. And episodic, especially, uh, you know, short form, independent, web series, that was all just something brand new people were just starting to talk about. And we had seen a few things like Broad City transition from web series to show. And And it was huge. And I was just like, oh, that sounds like way more fun. I don't want to play the game of feature films. I want to try it differently. And I think coming from the background of... um, making music videos and seeing what, what would happen when a music video would come out and it would get some press or taken on by NPR or Pitchfork, whatever, and what could happen? I was like, I'm addicted to that. I want more of that. How do I make a project that can get that, but not just once, but 10 times or however many times? And so I was like, I'm going to do an experiment. <laughs> I'm going to create a web series and, it's, and we're going to release every episode one at a time. And now what do I make it about? So that was a very long background. Gusbandry, the concept, I think, it, really, it came from my life. I mean, it is my life and I think I had this moment with Diane uh, at Rebel Heart and then also I've made a few now four music videos for this incredible musician uh, Bob Mould who mm-hmm. I refer to as one of my work husbands. you know mm-hmm. he's a dear dear friend and he came to town just to hang out around the same time and uh, talk about future stuff we were going to do together and so we hung out at one point we were just relaxing and and I was like I you know I know I need to make something I feel it coming out of me like it's going like I, I can't move forward with my career or even my soul as an artist in this situation unless I really bust out with it. But what will it be? Um, I had toured a few festivals with a short film I made that was about sort of a bullying kind of thing about teenagers. And it was, it was you know, a good experience for me to make. And I'm proud of it. At the same time, I hope nobody really sees it, you know, why? <laughs> uh, because it doesn't represent me as a human being. I think it represents me potentially as a technical filmmaker and a decent director. But it doesn't say like, OK, here's Alicia J. Rose on a plate.
0: Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, I think, dual with my history of having strong, brilliant, loving, wonderful, personality-filled gay men in my life who I've brought into a very familial capacity, I've had kind of a difficult time having really healthy romantic relationships. And so I eventually turned to my husbands as rehabilitation. And Lake Paraguay, who is my primary husband for a long time, for eight years, as of today, Facebook reminded me that today is the eight-year oh, anniversary of us lovely. becoming
0: friends of. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, <what?
1: laughs> (laughs) (laughs) so um, you know in that eight years he has offered me so much pure love and friendship and non-judgmental non-stressed sort of companionship and I think everybody wants to be loved and you know he really showed me sort of a a way to open back up after being really hurt and really closed and it really was very uh, inspirational for me so when it came down to kind of really nailing down a concept for what in the hell I was going to do in the narrative format as a director with some experience and maybe a few people who cared about what I was doing. I decided gusbandry was the way to go because it was sort of a, a way I could hyper-focus on something in my life without, you know, telling too big a story. I could tell this really powerful story about these moments of uh, this woman and this man kind of developing a healing relationship that kind of transcends all the bullshit.
0: Can you tell us about the title of the show and how you came up with it?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, The Benefits of Guzbandry was originally created as a hashtag. How annoying is that? And I'm in my mid-40s. Someone should <laughs> slap me. It um, was created as a hashtag for an infirmary in Instagram. I was on this trip in Thailand. Uh, in Thailand, with my husband Lake, uh, we went to Cambodia and to Thailand, all over Thailand, and we were at Angkor Wat. Which is in Cambodia, Siem uh, Reap. And, you know, I got in there. I hadn't smoked pot in like two weeks in Thailand I didn't want to get arrested because, you know, shit gets real real there. And I was like, as sober as humanly possible, which he was like, oh my God. He goes, now I understand why you smoke pot. He never got it before. He was like, this is what he said. He goes, without pot, you are prickled by life. With pot, you are tickled by life. <laughs> I like and I that. was like, you know me. <laughs> and so we got to Cambodia, stone cold, not stoned. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and really edgy. I have a lot of anxiety, and so I was just really raw. And but yet we had this beautiful moment, and you know sunrise anchor Wat, as epic as it could be. It seems like nobody is there but me and him. And I hashtag the benefits of guzbandry, basically, so my friends would understand what in the fuck was going on with my life. Yeah, because they're like, did you just get married? What's going on? Who's this really hot guy with you everywhere in Asia? Like, what's with this? You're going to the zoo. You're at the Rose Garden. I'm like, who is this? And I'm like, well, it's my husband. They're like, what's a husband? I'm like, gay husband. Huh? So hashtag. Hashtag benefits of Guzman and It just became really a function of describing what in the hell was going on in my life. Ultimately, when I came up with the idea for the show, I was like, if we're going to go to the Guzman zone, I already have a title. And I'm a musician also. So I have an interest in sort of tone and timbre and rhythm. And I felt like it just had a nice flow.
0: Are the episodes based on your experiences? Is it based on your life?
1: Pretty much all the episodes to one degree or another. Some are really straight up lifted from my life. Some are sort of more conjecture in my own fantasy world of what I would have liked to have done. For example, um, the whole show opens cold on uh, Jackie's 40th birthday where people are doing coke off her boobs and shenanigans are happening and it's sort of like her 40th birthday put on by her millennial roommate basically who thinks this is how a 40th birthday should be and she's like, okay, well someone's throwing me a party. I may as well enjoy it. But That was based on my 40th birthday, which I was more enthusiastic about, but there were things that were happening on my boobs, similar to Jackie's, people I will not name who are Wonderful individuals. We were just like, I'm turning 40. What what's left? What should I do? Like, what's the dumbest thing I can do on my birthday? Oh, if people do blow off my boobs, great. I mean, it's not legal. I know. That first episode is based on my real life and that experience of turning 40 and kind of feeling like you're still really young, but you're not. And <laughs> you're kind of a failure and but you don't want to be, or you know, your own version of that. 40 seems like the place you should have been when you already had it figured out, but you don't. And so, you know, the pilot was kind of based on my birthday party and uh, and the meeting of River in the pilot is not exactly the way I met Lake. I mean, I was at a, a party with Holcomb Waller and you know we did have this amazing conversation and I knew he was gay actually. Jackie doesn't know because we had to make it fun. Um, but I've had lots of relationships with gay men where I didn't know and I had a big crush In fact, I dated a couple that didn't really know they were gay until we dated for a little while. <laughs> And so, you know, like, there's different ways of learning. But the third episode, which happens in a a fantasy video where Mm -hmm. they decide to swap places the dating world, we definitely... Uh, I've, have had that experience, but yeah. not at Fantasy Video. Right. Although I've gone to Fantasy Video <laughs> with him, and I hear stories every day <laughs> of what happens behind closed doors at Fantasy and other places. I thought it would be fun to kind of fantasize and you know have a little venture that maybe I was not bold enough to take. Is it challenging to write about something so personal? It is, and it isn't. I think you know, for me, I, I sometimes describe it as cracking the code on your own bullshit. And it took me th- until this project, I think, to be able to crack that code and and honestly. honestly. Honestly, having a co-writer made it a lot easier. Courtney is brilliant. She sort of helps guide me through and pull things out of me from the personal side of it. I think for years I just didn't think my story was that interesting. To be honest, I think I've finally got enough perspective. I also think that there's really something powerful to be said and absolutely powerful stories to be told about women who are forty and above. Absolutely. And there's so few shows or movies about that that aren't just kind of dumpy, sad things. And I feel like Jackie is a sexy, cool, weird kind of mess of a woman, and I feel like I'm that way. And I know a lot. Of women that are that way. If I have the, somehow the mental clarity and, you know, the fortitude to find all these brilliant collaborators to help me bring this to life, I'm going to do it. And I know how to do it right because I've lived a crazy ass life that has led me to this mid 40s point.
0: Cosmondry has such a genuine and honest wit about it. Do you feel that Jackie's sense of humor mirrors your own?
1: I think it's a mix between me and Courtney. My sense of humor is very, you know, sardonic and kind of dark and funny but with an edge of love i'm influenced by things like laverne and shirley and lucille ball and i love seeing a grounded comedic actress who can also be kind of insane and daffy sometimes you know so so it's a balance and look we're just portlanders who did this shit you know we don't have a network behind us you know we're this is a grand experiment of creativity i didn't come into this being like i'm gonna everything's gonna change you know i just wanted to do something i had to do something so this is what i did
0: And you use all local talent and crew to make Guzmandry. Was that an important choice for you?
1: Absolutely. Um, Why is that? The reason I moved here as a musician, as someone who worked in the music business, was that I felt a kinship to the sort of the weirdo culture of Portland and that I finally found my people, basically. And that hasn't changed. It's just gotten stronger. And as I've been graciously given the ability to reinvent over and over here, this is not my first career in Portland. This is like my third. To be able to be in a town that sort of supports Creative people through transitions into new spots is really important. And Portland, for me, I think once I started making music videos, I realized how powerful the film community was here and how indie it was and how ideas were the most important currency, even over money, Mm -hmm. here. And that's unusual. I grew up in L.A. That's not the case there. You know, people have ideas. They're not always good, but (laughs) ideas aren't it. Here, ideas, even if they're not good, are are worth something. Um, Really good ideas will create community around what you do. And I I feel like I have attempted to infuse that ethos into everything I've done from all my careers. So people in the film community live here choosing to be here. Mm -hmm. And when you have a good idea and you really are trying to move something forward, I think it's an amazing place to find people to join you in your collaboration. And I got that not only on the crew side, and we were well over 50% female Mm -hmm. and people of color, throughout, um, throughout our, uh, our production, but also in the cast, all completely local, the casting of River. I actually wanted a, a gay man to play a gay man. I mean, easier said than done, it took a <laughs> while. Um, and I wanted a real 40 year old woman to play a 40-year-old woman. I found those things in Portland. It was not easy, but we did, and so it's been incredible to make it here.
0: You were directing music videos and a short film before this. How is creating a web series different?
1: I learned really everything by making 30 music videos. I think it's the best training a filmmaker can have. And you know, for me, music videos were the perfect way to start. My first one was with Super 8 for Locke Lamond, where I, I got money for them from a show I booked them at Doug for a private event, a thousand bucks. I was like, let's take this thousand bucks, let's make this video. I was industrious and creative with getting it financed, so I produced it too, right? They agreed, we made it. It was, it was great for them, was great for me. That was the beginning, even before SLRs were available. I've gotten pigeonholed a lot professionally, um, and it makes me batshit crazy. Because I I am really good at what I do. I love doing it. But I had to prove it, you know, because I was such a giant fan and am such a giant fan of episodic storytelling, I just thought I would take a stab because web series or digital series, suddenly there was this egalitarianism with viewership and suddenly YouTube or Vimeo, people could discover things that way. And since then, it's taken even a notch up. We made the whole season, now it's available on Amazon Prime and Seed&Spark Cinema, VHX, Vimeo On Demand, now it's behind paywalls. But you know, I loved the sort of beginning stages of just giving it away for free, which we did for a whole year, just to get people on board with it. Can
0: you talk a little bit about um building a narrative and episodic storytelling
1: one of the cool things about episodic storytelling is there can be what's called course correction especially with something like this where I came up with this idea and then I met with my collaborators Brooke was cast right at the beginning before we even started writing and that was kind of an incredible miracle to have someone to write for really gave us an advantage and so we knew what she was capable of and I knew what I wanted to get at with the story and so what I didn't know is how she would inhabit it and how that would inform where the character was going to go next maybe more than what I had even planned. I think being able to switch gears somewhere in the middle of it you know and Give Jackie a little more than you thought you were going to or let her explore something different. I mean, in this next round of episodes, um, we're definitely doing that.
0: Do you ever think sort of for my personal my personal interest, when things happen in your life, do you ever think well, this is frustrating, but at least it'll be a good episode.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> there's so. I mean, the thing is, when I came up with the idea, the reason I knew it was worth pursuing is I, I literally wrote 20 episode ideas down in about 15 minutes after a pot of kava. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> wow. I was like, oh, I think I can work with this. You know, there's so many things. I mean, I, it's it's an endless endless sorts of inspiration. This is based on my life. Um, my adventures with my husbands. there's so, I mean, there's so much. It's preposterous. You, you wouldn't believe any of it. There's so many stories. There's just no end to it. The key with, you know, applying my life and my inspiration to Jackie and River and the benefits of husbandry. it's just finding a through line. And I think for me to find the through line of sort of, you know, her having a crush on him, thinking he's straight, thinking she found the guy, and then realizing he's gay and that she could still have him, just not in the way she thought. And then ultimately sort of accepting love and being able to sort of heal herself and go on a journey of self-discovery through her relationship that doesn't have as many strings attached. That's sort of my through line. And it continues. And I think as we continue through the seasons, we're going to see her evolve and get her strength back on the relationship tip and maybe figure out how to love, but also not give up the love that she's established in this alternative way.
0: What has the response been so far?
1: The response to the show has been I mean I think kind of incredible I'm pretty damn grateful for anyone giving a shit period but it's been amazing I mean you know like I said I, I started out wanting to sort of see if I could you know run the promotion of this like music videos I brought on a publicist uh, Heidi Vanderley from Shark Party Media in New York she's incredible she helped me with that plan of placing each episode as they were released through Vimeo and YouTube for free with press outlets like AV Club or Tube Filter or Out ultimately culminating with the New York Times so that was pretty cool. And the Entertainment Weekly made us a pick on their must list. I mean, we're a little teeny tiny so small budget show from Portland, Oregon. But, you know, we're just people who made this with very little money um, and so the fact that it would be um, regarded on a similar level to anything that I respect, like when we were in the Entertainment Weekly must list, we were right next to Lady Dynamite, Maria Bamford's show and things like that and I'm just like, this is weird. So, you know, amazing. I, I think what's incredible is that we re- this was a grand experiment. It still is. This is just something I wanted to make to prove that I could make it and the people and I also really wanted to have an experience where I was able to collaborate with an incredible cast and crew and people who would help elevate my ideas. It's not just me. It's my community. It's the people that have worked with me on this that have made it look so good. My mm-hmm. cinematographers, uh, my editors, you know, my co-writers, my producers, my actors. I mean, there's a million people. Ultimately, seeing it get good reception and get great press. We're on Amazon. That's organically happening. We've like done five to one views, UK to US. So there's been like 150,000 minutes in the UK versus 50 in the U.S., 50,000, you know. So it's been interesting to see things happen organically. They have nothing to do with us. And how the U.K. is responding to the show has been fascinating. We got our first bit of unsolicited U.K. press a couple weeks ago. And also the festival thing has been kind of interesting, I have to say. Being a new format, going into festivals is fascinating. Only a few have even asked for what we do. I've just applied anyway. Tell me a little bit about how you've gotten into festivals and how that worked. Well, we started with the Portland Film Festival. We premiered at the Portland Film Festival in 2015. Um, our pilot, Josh, was super cool and it was sort of unprecedented. Josh was the executive director of the Josh film Leake. He knew me as a filmmaker. He'd screened my other film and I think music videos or something in the past. And I came up with this idea and I was fast tracking it. We were crowdfunding around the time he was launching all this stuff for uh, that year's film festival. And I had a teaser for the crowdfunding and he's like, I really like this. And I'd given a talk to all the volunteers and I was like, well, we're making it in uh, three weeks. We're going to shoot this in August. I know your festival is early September. If you will say yes, we will find a way to turn the pilot around fast enough to premiere at your festival. So basically we shot it and premiered it within like less than 45 days. Oh, wow. Lucky for me and lucky for us. He trusted me and supported me as a filmmaker with history. And it did well. And that was the beginning. And and the Monday after we premiered on Tube Filter with the first episode, it started gaining momentum. And the festival thing has been really interesting because, you know, starting out that way locally was important. And, and I was so psyched to even have just have a pivot point for press and for getting it out into the world. But since then, we've really had an interesting experience going to festivals. I would say the thing that's been the most interesting about the festival experience for us has been the reception we've had in the South. We've screened at the Nashville Film Festival, the Austin Film Festival. We were a finalist in their digital series competition and that film festival was all about the writing. So they were super, it, that was really exciting. And most recently we were accepted at the Atlanta Film Festival. And what's really interesting about that is they want to screen the entire season. Uh, most people have screened anything from the pilot to a three episode run. So it's been A trip.
0: It's a new trajectory.
1: Well, and I think it's also because places in the South have been super interested in us because we're really fucking gay and really feminist. And when you combine really fucking feminist with really fucking gay, you've got something different. And when you've got things like religious discrimination, you know, seeping into the the framework of misery and day-to-day life in places like Nashville and Atlanta and Georgia, things that, you know, not everybody who lives there wants to be a part of. I think it's important to program material in your festival that sort of shows your state of mind and how you can buck against that trend.
0: Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next. In the Bad, terrible thing.
1: <laughs> it involves Planned Parenthood. It involves angry orgasms. It involves potentially like an artisan weed brunch. There's Ooh, things. There's things that are going to happen. Oh, well, I'm excited to Dastardly, see dastardly futures for these characters.
0: Thank you, Alicia, for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Molly. It was a pleasure to be here at the Portland Film Podcast.
0: Season one, Benefits of Gusbandry, is available now on Amazon Prime, Seed and Spark vimeo on demand and vhx for more information visit the benefits of guzbandry on facebook twitter instagram and at the benefits if you enjoyed this week's episode you can subscribe on itunes like us on facebook follow us on twitter or visit us at theportlandfilmpodcast.com The Portland Film Podcast is a Portland Film Festival production produced by Misty Eddy, our associate producer is Sean Connolly, and I'm Molly Silverstein. See you next time.